hello. You are listening to A Pastor in His Newspaper with Dr. Castro, a podcast helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro, and I'm looking forward to another episode of this of this podcast. And uh, we're going to talk uh, about a major event that happened this week. Uh, and But what I want to kind of fast, I want to kind of uh, kind of go in the past a little bit. We, we really didn't talk about uh, this event uh, because it was happening during uh, the start of the Ukrainian war uh, by, uh, with the Russians. But we have a new Supreme Court justice that President Biden nominated and the Senate confirmed. Her name is Judge Kentaja Brown Jackson. She's the first black woman Supreme Court justice. And on day two of her confirmation hearing before the Senate, she was asked a very simple question by Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn from the great state of Tennessee. She, uh, Blackburn asked Brown Jackson, what is a woman? And Brown Jackson replied, I can't answer. I can't define what a woman is. I am not, I, I am not a biologist. Blackburn shot back. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and uncontroversial that you can't give me a definition? Brown Jackson replied, Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments and I look at the law and I decide, Jackson added. So we're celebrating the first black woman Supreme Court justice in that Justice, who is a woman, cannot define what a woman is. Interesting, when Senator Feinstein from California asked her, what would it mean to have four women, which Brown Jackson's unable to define what a woman is, because she's not a biologist, he says. Feinstein asked her, what, if, what would it mean to have four women serving on the Supreme Court for the first time in history? Jackson responded. Thank you, Senator. I think it's extremely meaningful. One of the things that having diverse members of the court does, it provides for the opportunity for role models. Since I am nominated to this position, I have received so many notes and letters and photos from little girls around the country who tell me that they are so excited for this opportunity and that they have thought about the law in new ways. Because I am a woman, she answers, because I am a black woman, all of those things people have said have been really meaningful to, to them. And what we want, I think, as a country, for everyone to believe that they can do things like sit on the Supreme Court and so have meaningful mem- numbers of women and people of color, I think matters. I also think that it supports public confidence in the judiciary when you have different people because we have such a diverse society. Very interesting. I present this because, again, this is a new Supreme Court. Now, she hasn't taken the stand. She hasn't become a, a judge yet. She'll she'll start in the next term. So she's not a part of this uh, decision that uh, we're about to get to, that the Supreme Court is deciding right now. But I wanted to, to give you that context as we fast forward to recent events at the Supreme Court. On Monday, Justice Samuel Alito, who was put on the bench by President Bush, he wrote a majority opinion on Dodd versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. And that that majority opinion was, was leaked on Monday. It confirmed that four other justices were joining his opinion. 
Chief Justice John Roberts has not confirmed if he was going to side with Alito in the majority opinion. In this statement that was leaked, the 67-page draft decision by Justice Samuel Alito published on Monday and released by Politico presents a very fascinating turn of events. And what is presented in this in this decision in this majority opinion by Justice Samuel Alito is he states that abortion and the decision in Roe v. Wade and Casey is unconstitutional and some and the state should determine who states particular states should determine uh, the legality of abortion. We have to be careful here to think through this. It doesn't mean that the, the court has actually ruled on this case, but that this is a draft of the majority opinion. But, and this interesting thing that was leaked is that this is a draft opinion that bears a stamp indicating it was circulated within the court on February the 10th. The justices are com- expected to issue a final ruling on the case in question, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization by the end of June. And this is what's in the opinion that was leaked on Monday. Justice Alito wrote, Abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey aggregate, which means to take something without justification, that authority. We now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives. And one of the things that in this case, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, is a new law in Mississippi regulating and restricting abortions. And what the Supreme Court is in this this draft of a potential majority opinion of the court is that the Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or potentially prohibiting abortion. And he believes that Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood, it took authority away that it's not justified to have away from the people from the states. It says that the justices are expected to issue their ruling this summer in Dobbs, a case, again, examining Mississippi's plan to prohibit abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy, far earlier than current Supreme Court precedents allow, and the court heard oral arguments on Dobbs in December. The circul- to kind of give you a little bit of, of background information, how uh, majority opinions work, is that the circulation of an opinion draft or is a central part of the court's deliberative process. After an initial vote among justices on a case, Supreme Court decisions can undergo considerable evolution in tone and substance as justices exchange views. Drafts are circulated among chambers with justices typically offering feedback, support, and criticism in writing until the court arrives at a final ruling, sometimes with accompanying dissenting opinions. That's why when a, when a case in the Supreme Court is finally decided, you'll get the majority opinion and then you'll get dissenting opinions. And a lot of times what you'll have is that you'll have the, the judges that will join with that opinion in the majority and sometimes you'll have judges in the in the minority that are, are siding with the dissenting opinion. And sometimes you may even get an alternative majority opinion 
maybe rewrote, written different way or emphasizing different matters of the case. And so this is really in the, right now, what happened in February is this simply a draft and then that draft got leaked, which is actually against the law. And actually currently uh, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, who hasn't decided if he's going to join the majority, is actually uh, initiated an investigation on this leak. And so what's kind of happened is, what's most likely what's happened is, is because this is a major, a major case that the court is deciding, there's a lot of eyes on the opinion. And most likely what is the circulation of opinion drafts is sometimes restricted to law clerks assigned to work on that case. But it wouldn't be unusual in a major case like this one, like Dobbs, for all the clerks to have access other support staff from secretaries to IT workers would also have access to. So this leak could have come from uh, a clerk, it could have come from an IT worker, could have come from a staff member who's leaked this to Politico and then got basically uh, spread around the world. So now that this is leaked, again, the court hasn't actually ruled. Uh, this is just a draft that was written in, on, in February after uh, arguments were made in December. But it looks like Alito is, is, is running the majority draft, the majority opinion that will strongly and, and, and historically restrict abortion by giving it over to the states to determine their laws on abortion. And since that leak, states are now positioning themselves to prepare their states for when Roe v. Wade is potentially overturned. Uh, states like South Dakota and Alabama are looking at writing up their own laws restricting abortion. Other states like New York and California, which are far more liberal states and or as we call them blue states, are starting to prepare for Roe v. Wade in another direction. They're looking to amend their constitution and actually even create government funds to help pay for abortions, even to allow people to come from outside the state to come into their state and get an abortion because their state their states potentially may restrict it. Uh, Nancy Skinner, who's a California Democratic state senator, said, we don't want people to have to come here to get an abortion. It's not what we want, but... We don't want to leave women in desperation. And this is interesting. We don't want deaths. Fascinating to use the word death when we talk about abortion, which by definition is killing a child in the womb. It's interesting. Uh, I actually, there's because of what was leaked on, on Monday, um, different different states have they've kind of collected information about how uh, different states currently may even have uh, restrictions on abortion or that they, there are certain laws that are kind of in the hopper ready to after Roe v. Wade is overturned to t- trigger laws to be put on their books restricting abortion and uh, or even some states that have tried to pass laws in the past but the courts ruled them unconstitutional in the state of Tennessee where I live uh, we currently uh, potentially will have a, a law that will be written um, and ready to, to restrict uh, abortion once the court finally rules in June and so other states uh, are on the opposite direction who are writing up laws to provide abortion rights even 
even if or when um, Roe v. Wade is potentially overturned, which it looks like that's happening. We have states like I mentioned California, but also Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, and the state of Washington, uh, states that are preparing to um, push for abortion right laws in their constitution. And as I read about California actually uh, taking taxpayer money to fund abortions in their states. So um, if you're one of those who lives in one of those states and you don't agree with abortion, you're pro-life and you don't want your tax money to go to the performance of abortions, you may want to consider moving to a different state or asking your employee if you can work from home or remotely and move to a state that is more favorable or actually restricting uh, abortions. And so I want to give you some some just information about uh, Roe v. Wade um, as it is um, looking to be uh, potentially overturned by the Supreme Court through the this uh, case of Dobbs. What is Roe v. Wade? The Supreme Court in Roe found that the right to abortion was a fundamental liberty protected by the 14th Amendment due process clause. Under current president, a woman has a right to terminate a pregnancy during the time period before a fetus is capable of life outside the womb, generally around 22 to 24 weeks of pregnancy. Other information, Roe v. Wade was a 7-2 decision uh, for Jane Roe. In 1974, the majority opinion was written by Justice Harry Blackman, uh, Justice Berger, Douglas, Brennan, Stewart, and Marshall, and Blackman and Powell voted in favor, while Justice White and Rehnquist voted against. It was a 7-2 decision, and actually, that case was leaked as well. Uh, That opinion was leaked as well before the uh, ruling was actually given. Roe v. Wade, I'm sorry, it was a 1973 Supreme Court ruling and it established federal protection for legal abortion. What does it mean if, what does it mean if Roe v. Wade gets overturned? Again, this is the case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. The judges have been considering Mississippi's defense of a state law that seeks to ban the, the procedure after 15 weeks. As a part of that case, the court agreed to consider whether Roe should be overturned. If the court does so, the issue would be a matter for the states and potentially Congress to sort it out. Many states will continue to preserve abortion rights, like I mentioned before, like Colorado and New York and Colorado, but others will seek to restrict the procedure, if not ban it altogether. Although Congress previously has banned an abortion procedure, the current partisan split makes it unlikely that federal abortion legislation would pass in the near term, meaning that if this is overturned, again, it's kicked to the states to determine what the state wants to do with abortion. Will it allow abortion? Will it just restrict it to a certain time period? Or will it allow it freely? Now, one of the questions you may have, can the president overturn a Supreme Court decision? No. The Supreme Court says the following about overturning a decision. When the Supreme Court rules on a constitutional issue, that judgment is virtually final. Its decisions can be altered only by the rarely used procedure of constitutional amendment. Basically, if you you don't know how a constitutional amendment is presented, it takes two-thirds of the uh, U.S. Congress to pass an amendment and you have to have states to approve it as well. 
And so basically to create a amendment is, with this dividing issue, like abortion is, is nearly impossible, especially right now. However, when the court interprets a statute, new legislation action can be taken. Does the Supreme Court draft opinion mean the case is all but over? Not necessarily. The leaked opinion was a first draft written by Justice Samuel Alito and dated in February. It is possible the tone and even the substance could have evolved since then. The draft does not represent a decision by the court or the final position of any member on the issues in the case, the court said in a statement on Tuesday. After the justices initially vote on a case, Supreme Court decisions can undergo considerable revision as justices can circulate draft opinions for weeks and months. Those drafts are circulated between chambers with justices typically offering feedback, support, criticism, and writing until the court arrives at a final ruling, which is frequently accompanied by concurring or dissenting opinions that weigh in on the court's decision. On some occasions, justices can change their positions during deliberation. So again, this does not mean necessarily that Roe v. Wade is overturned, but it looks like it's moving in that direction. Decisions can be changed during deliberation between now and June, potentially. and uh, But it looks like the majority opinion will be to overturn Roe v. Wade and Casey. Now, when we think about what does the court do, Justice John Roberts, Chief Justice John Roberts, on Tuesday said the leak wouldn't affect the court's work. And he directed the marshal of the court to launch an investigation of who was responsible for the leak. Between now and the end of June, the court will be announcing decisions in dozens of cases it has considered in the recent months. The abortion case was expected to be one of the final rulings the court announced before its summer break, which most likely will happen in June. So, interesting. Again, I didn't expect. Now, I don't think anyone expected. I think even the even the White House was caught off guard. Um, again, this wasn't supposed to get out. It was leaked. Who leaked it? We don't know. Um, there's a lot of different opinions on why it was leaked. Um, it could have been leaked by those who are in favor with the opinion and, and trying to stir up um, protest that may lead to a change during that deliberation time between now and June. It may lead to potentially they're leaking it to roll up support uh, as the midterm elections uh, and primaries are happening. Uh, well, primaries are happening currently in a lot of states. Um, and getting prepared, prepared for the midterm elections that are coming up in November. So who leaked it? We don't know. Why they leaked it, we can speculate. We're unsure. But it looks like uh, an event and a, a change that a, a lot of people, especially Christians, have been pushing for for many, many years, many decades, could be happening right and during this year. So what is what are some applications? I, I wanted to just kind of read some 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 tweets that came out uh, during this week after this uh, leak was was um, presented by Politico. Uh, this is is, is from um, Owen Strachan, um, who is a professor at at Midwestern Seminary. He says. If Roe is overturned, we are witnessing one of the most impactful moments of God's common grace to America and the country's history. Please, God, let it be true. It's an interesting, you know, uh, focus there on God's common grace. If you don't know what common grace is, it's when you think about God's grace, even on those who are, are not Christians, 
you know, God's blessing of uh, that are uh, materialistically and others on people, uh, talents and abilities. You think about LeBron James. I mean, the LeBron James's talent and skills is God's common grace on his life. That's not God's saving grace. It's his common grace that he pours on, on, on the wicked and the righteous. And so for God to provide this change to where, where children are not dying in the womb anymore, but that there's a restriction on such a heinous sin, which is abortion, is a common grace on the nation of America. And, and so, uh, you know, when we think about and praise the Lord for this event that that this potentially could see, we could see the end of, of abortions in, in America in many areas, in many states as well, uh, most importantly, or, or, or most directly. Um, and that is uh, something we should celebrate, it's something we should praise the Lord for and worship his common grace. And, and when he led, um, you know, this, uh, these, major, these judges to look at this case and rule in favor of the life of children, um, we want to praise the Lord for that and thank him for that, for his common grace uh, to America. And it, it kind of, I like to consider it similar to what we saw with William Wilberforce in, in England in the parliament as they restricted and then outlawed slavery in the empire. I think of this very similarly. It's just as an evil of a sin, slavery and abortion, and we could see it coming to an end uh, in America. And we want to praise the Lord for that. Uh, this is uh, a tweet by Justin. Uh, a tweet by Justin Gibney. He writes: Democrats went from safe, legal, and rare to enacting some of the most extreme abortion laws in the world. They've been, they've been reckless. However, if the conservative position is actually rooted in compassion, they'll act on health care, paid family leave, and child care post Roe. And really what I like about this by this tweet is it goes to the need for consistency. And I think if, I, if I'm speaking to Christians, if I'm speaking to the church, the importance of consistency in our approach to life, caring for those in the womb, caring for those out of the womb, caring for the mothers in desperation and in all situation and all affliction. I think about the Old Testament and God's law and the Torah and the Pentateuch and think about Leviticus chapter 23. This is God's law to his people. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleaning after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner, those who are aliens, those who are from outside, refugees that have come into the land. I am the Lord your God. God the Lord is instructing his people, commanding his people to care for the poor, even through your harvest. Don't gather it all. Leave some for the poor, for the refuge who are in desperation and affliction. Care for them through your harvest. And then the Bible presents actually a story of this. Uh, Ruth, who was Naomi's daughter-in-law, uh, Naomi's husband had passed away and so did his sons and Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law who was a Moabite, they went back into Israel, but they were poor they came back to Israel with nothing they had nothing they were refugees they were poor and Boaz let Ruth glean from the field 
winged from his harvest. But he did more than just that. He married Ruth. He became the, as they say, the kin redeemer. So Boaz, it says, took Ruth. This is in Ruth, Ruth chapter 4 at the end of the story. And she had a child. God gave her a child, gave her a son. And the women of the community said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you to this day without a redeemer. May, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. And the woman, women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed, who was the father of Jesse, the father of David, the, the king of Israel. God had provided for Ruth and Naomi through Boaz. God cared for these women in their desperation through Boaz. And we have to think as, as the church, as Christians, how do we care for women? How do we care for their children who are abandoned by, by, the, by men and by, by their families? How do we care for them? How do we love them? How do we come alongside them in their time of affliction? I don't believe this is universally true, but in many cases, in many cases, and it doesn't justify the decision. It doesn't justify the act. It doesn't give any excuse to the act. But many women have abortions out of desperation. They're abandoned, they're left on their own, and they don't know where else to go, and so they have an abortion. It's still wrong, it's still evil, it's still murder, but they're making these decisions because they believe they have nowhere else to go. We as Christians in the church, God has provided this common grace is giving our country an opportunity to to move to move on to 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 get past this this age of of heinous abortions and the killing of infants. When we think about James chapter one, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this: to visit, to look after, to care for orphans and widows and their affliction to care for, to visit, to check in, to watch over. First Peter in chapter three, verse eight says that women are the weaker vessel. Now, obviously this passage is talking about wives and husbands and husbands ought to care and love their wives as the weaker vessel. But many women in America are unprotected. They're abandoned. They're neglected. Left to raise children on their own and work multiple jobs just to put food on the table for their kids. The Bible says that they're a weaker vessel, and for many, they don't have husbands to protect them and to care for them. They're abandoned, left on their own. So churches, as we, as we think about this, as we celebrate the potential overturn of Roe v. Wade, we also have to seriously pray, consider how we're going to minister to women in our community. How are we going to help them? How are we going to come alongside them? How are we going to care for them and their children? James says this is pure and undefiled religion before God the Father, that we visit orphans and widows in their affliction, not leave them to make their decisions, 
or to do to 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 to, to care for and mother on their own, but to long to work to work along to, to to walk alongside to serve them to visit to check in to look after. This week also, a few different corporations have have come out and said they would they would pay to cover their employees' travel costs to seek abortion care. One of these companies is Amazon. Again, the, the latest corporation to cover employees' travel costs to seek abortion care. The company told staff it would pay up to four thousand in travel expenses annually for medical treatments, including abortions, according to a messenger message sent by Reuters. An Amazon spokesman confirmed the nature of the Reuters report to CNN Business. Other companies announced similar moves: Citigroup, Yelp. Uber and Lyft to help employees bypass Republican-led efforts in several states to effectively ban abortion. Obviously, we can choose not to use these companies anymore because of their decision. That our money that we're using to buy their product is being used to cover employees' travel costs for abortion care. We can do that, and I'm not saying you should, and but I'm saying you should probably consider it. But let me let's take like a, a step further. I think as churches and our communities all over America, we should work to see no poor woman in a situation where she feels economically compelled to have an abortion. We should work that women get paid time off for maternity leave. No woman should ever have to be forced to work immediately after having a baby. No woman should ever have to fear that having a baby would lead to her losing her job. And if you're a business owner and you're a Christian and you force women who've had just a child to go right back to work, or if they feel like they have to work or they're going to lose their job because they've had a baby, shame on you. Shame on you. You should give your employees or women sufficient maternity leave. We should never, women should never feel like they have to have abortion, that they are economically compelled to have one. We should care for the women in our communities and our, in our surroundings that are in affliction, that are in desperations. We should care for them. We should love them. And we should make it the decision of abortion as the rarest of all rarest decisions that they make. They should never even pop in their minds because they know they'll be cared for by the churches in their communities. Christians must stand for babies and their mothers. This is Mother's Day weekend coming up. We're pro-mothers. We celebrate mothers. We celebrate women. We celebrate God's creation. Women are image bearers of God. And they have value and worth because God has created them. We stand with children. We stand with those in the womb. We are pro-life. We are pro-mothers. And so as Christians, as the church, we should care for women in our communities that are in affliction. We should care for them. We should watch over them. We should visit them. We should help them in their needs, come alongside them, help them raise their children, Point them to Jesus Christ where we have hope and life and death. We have hope in Jesus Christ who bore our sins 
on our behalf on the cross, who rose from the dead, who conquered sin and death. And so as the church, as God's people, let us visit, let us check on, let us care, let us serve the women in our community. May no woman in our community feel unprotected or abandoned. And may none of the women who work for these companies ever have to take that $4,000 because they know that the churches in their community will take care of them and walk alongside them in their pregnancy and in their motherhood. Thanks so much for listening to a new uh, this episode of A Pastor in His Newspaper. Uh, uh, tune in next week as we'll talk about whatever comes our way and whatever's in our newspaper uh, this coming week. And so have a wonderful week and we have a wonderful Mother's Day and, and celebrate the mothers in your life. And uh, if you are a mother, um, so thankful uh, for my mother um, and the impact she's had on my life, uh, Trisha Castro. And I want to thank my wife as well and the beautiful mother that she is, uh, Lisa Castro, and, and how she has raised, helped raise our three children. And she's actually pregnant right now. We're having our fourth in September. So it's a special Mother's Day this year for us. And so I want to celebrate her as well, celebrate all the women uh, in your life this weekend. Have a wonderful uh, week and weekend, and we will be back next week with a pastor in his newspaper reading uh, the news with the Bible in your hand. Have a wonderful week.